0: Welcome to Pep Talks, Pepper Jam's affiliate marketing podcast, where we chat with some of the channel's most well-known brands and most influential partners. Today, we're meeting with Ben Goldberg to talk about what a fish and a toothbrush have in common with the opportunity a brand like his has in the affiliate space.
1: I'm Katie Sperkland, joined by Chrissy Kammerer, and we're glad you're here. So if you haven't yet, just take a quick beat to subscribe to Pep Talks so you automatically receive updates on our new episodes. Or better yet, you could head over and fire off a review and tell us what you think. Um, Your reviews will help us continue to get exciting guests like the one that we have here today. So joining us today, we have Ben Goldberg, co-founder of Gobi, the affordable electric toothbrush designed to elevate your daily routine. Welcome, Ben.
2: Thanks for having me. Nice to uh, chat with you today.
0: You as well. We're excited you're here. We are excited. And Ben, I have to get this question out first because this is the the most important question I think on my mind right now is what do a fish and a toothbrush really have in common? What is going on there? Yeah,
2: that's, that's one of my favorite questions. So uh, Gobi, the, the name originally comes from the Neon goby, which is known as the dentist of the sea because it's this little fish that goes around and actually cleans the mouth of larger fish and Actually, going even further, they almost have like their own little dental office because they, uh, they stay in a certain area and they just swim back and forth using that as a sign to attract other, other uh, fish to come over for their cleaning. Uh, so that's where the name originally came from. And it's also this really great symbiotic relationship where the, 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 the goby fish obviously has something to eat. Uh, but also at the same time is really helping out those bigger fish and keeping them clean. And uh, so that's where the name came from. And as soon as I came across that, when thinking about different names, I knew that was immediately the perfect fit.
0: That's probably the most inspiring and cool story I definitely have heard all day. So when, how did you, fi- how did Gobi even come about? Tell us the story. What Was it something that you had planned on? Is it something you set out
2: to do? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So it definitely wasn't planned. Uh, from the outset, I had actually come from a different world. I was working in the finance world and was doing that for about six years. and I kind of got to the one, a point where you know, I was starting interested to explore other opportunities but not totally sure exactly what I wanted to do. And around that same time, I noticed a pain point that ultimately turned into what is Gobi today. So specifically, I'd eventually made the upgrade to an electric toothbrush, but pretty quickly got frustrated with how much I was spending on my replacement brush heads for my toothbrush. And uh, then my brush actually broke after having it for, I think, a little over a year. Uh, So really not the best of experiences. And just kind of digging into it a little bit further, realized uh, there's a lot of these dynamics Uh, that you see going on in other industries that are having a lot of uh, interesting uh, new companies start. Mm -hmm. Uh, So specifically, this is a a duopoly of two large players who will go unnamed here today. And whenever you have a monopoly or duopoly, (laughs) it's usually the customer that loses out. And that's exactly what's going on here. You have these products that are overpriced, these brands that are just unappealing and stale and just really poor customer experiences so seeing all that we just saw a lot of opportunity uh, to come in with um, you know first and foremost a brand that resonated with today's modern consumer uh, really trying to solve for that ideal customer experience and then finally trying to make premium oral care more accessible and affordable
0: nice your story's hitting close to home for me i had uh, last week i had a, one of those very expensive toothbrushes that I I had for probably about a year as well. And it gave up, it just gave out. And and two nights ago, I had ordered the pink, uh, the pink Gobi brush, and I'm very, very excited. I can't wait to receive it. But I do, I feel like in the beginning, everyone's pretty hesitant, or or most people, maybe they're not using electric toothbrushes, but they are life changing. Once you start to do that. Uh, And I know that you consulted with dentists when you were working on the prototype for the brushes. And What was that process like? And does the original
2: uh, brush prototype match what we see today? Yeah, that's a great question. So when we first were getting started, so after I noticed the pain point, the first thing that we did was really just jump into the the research phase. Um, So Mm -hmm. just trying to understand, uh, first and foremost, what's most important when trying to deliver better oral care. Um, And that involved, obviously uh speaking with dentists and working very closely with them from the outset. Um because we wanted to make sure what we what we put together and what we developed is something that any dentist would be comfortable to recommend or, sure. or more more importantly actually actively want to recommend to their patients. Um and so the I would say the we didn't even start working on any prototypes until we started that kind of research. Um and so okay. once we started our early prototypes, they did ultimately pretty closely mirror the final uh, product that we're selling today. There was wow, was so just hit it out design. of the park
1: early. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but I think that it's really just a testament to the work we were doing before we jumped in. Um, we didn't immediately, it, the first thing we didn't, the first thing was not just creating a prototype. The first thing was like getting a better understanding of what is really most valuable and where we can drive the. the the, the biggest impact for our customers.
0: So the two designs, the original prototype and where we we netted out for the final product is there's not that much of a difference. So you went in well informed and you were able to design the toothbrush pretty much like you thought and you got what you wanted. Yeah, exactly.
1: So the prototype has pretty much been the same since kind of the jump, Um, but how has the brand changed since you got started? The more you got to know your customers and what you were marketing, like how has your message changed?
2: Yeah, that's a a really interesting question. And and I would say there's probably been more evolution there than around the actual physical product itself. Because when we first were working on it and coming up with the brand system, we had an idea of who our customer was, and again, we did as much research as possible, but I would say that one evolved you know much more than we initially than we initially projected Because um, I think when we first started this we we had this ideal customer who's probably you know mid twenties uh you know probably living by themselves but getting to this age that they're just understanding right. their Oral health and just overall health a little bit better. <laughs> uh, adult
1: priorities, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: and uh, and and we built a, a brand system kind of around that positioning. Uh, but what we found pretty early on, once we actually started to sell, um, you know, the customer was a little different, uh, and and also it's just worth calling out. We're selling a product that is universally it can be used from anyone from like a, we have grandmothers and down in Florida using Gobies. Uh, nice. and teenagers in, you know, California and Los Angeles using up. So the, the reality is like the customer is super broad, which definitely comes with some challenges because there's a, there's a concept or a quote that I really like is, um, when you try to market to everyone, you're basically marketing to no one.
0: Yes, um, and
2: that's a little bit of the challenge that you come in with this product. And so we've done, we've kind of tried to approach that in a number of different ways Our marketing, um, Uh, So this is kind of jumping out here, but, you know, realizing certain people are attracted to certain areas. Uh, So there's like a certain customer demo that's really just focused on the design of the product. So whether that be our, you know, the all pink toothbrush that you called out earlier, there's there's a really, uh, there's a demo that just goes crazy over that product. And we'd love to be able to uh, cater to them. But there's also the mother who's buying, you know, four gobies for the entire family. And that's a little bit of a different uh, positioning for that customer, um, and so all of this has sort of been learned after we started, after we launched the company. And actually, you saw who was buying the toothbrush, and we spent a lot of time uh, actually doing customer surveys, and that's just an ongoing process. But um, those on those surveys just give you a much better visualization of who the customer is and how and what it what it is that they're attracted to. So you can really. Hone in on that and, and target really most effectively. Yeah,
1: we yeah, love that. That's one of the uh, one of the questions that we had also just about um, one of the great things about direct to consumer brands is that you have that direct access to your consumer. So um, what? do, what are some of the conversations that you have with consumers to um, better your message or better your product? Um, and are there any like cool stories you can tell us from some of those
0: conversations? Yep. And before you do answer that though, Ben, I want to interject and go back to what you had mentioned about being, uh, maybe having like a universal marketing message. And then, you know, you're, you're not really marketing to anybody. I, I sort of am that 40 something mom of two daughters. And, and I did see the pink, the pink toothbrush. And I immediately thought that this this was so sleek. This is so cool. Everyone's going to love this. I'm going to try it. I'm going to get the girls, whatever one that they want. But I also really loved the fact that there was two settings on this toothbrush, which was ideal for my kids who are 10 and soon to be eight. So the one that I had prior to that, I think had seven settings, um, five of which I don't think I've ever even engaged with. So so the design itself, I think, is really, really cool. So I will be interested to hear what Katie asked about when you're connecting with the consumers. How was their feedback played a role in in that? Is it helpful to hear me
2: tell you that story, in other words? Yeah, love the story. Super helpful. Uh, but no, that is, that is, that's true. It's a great point. A lot of people, especially if you're using an electric toothbrush for the first time, can be a bit of a jarring experience if you're actually getting your teeth cleaned for the first time. Uh, I know when I first went to electric, it was, you know, I was like, "Well, this is too much for me." And then <laughs> it's intense, know, yeah. But maybe a little too much information. But like then, as I transition, like it's like, "Wow, I can never go back away from this." Um, and yeah. so i that person, also. <laughs> yeah, it starts that way, and then you're like, "Well, this is my life has been changed." And uh, then you, then the next best moment is when you actually go to the dentist after using it, and you mm-hmm. realize that. uh, you know, dentist visits are not supposed to be these horrific bloody messes that so many people tell us about. Like <laughs> the, my favorite uh, comment is when we have these uh, customers just saying, like I went to the dentist and for the first time it was like a happy, enjoyable experience. Like it's, you're supposed to go to the dentist the same way you go to like a doctor. You don't want to go in and hear all the problems that you have. You want to go in and hear like, yeah, you're doing a great job. Uh, <laughs> what is a trip
1: to the dentist without the pre-dentist anxiety though?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I can help you get rid
1: of
0: that. So. <laughs> but you do, you're uh, right. You feel on top of the world when you get two thumbs up and you had a great, there was no blood, there was no anything. And someone points out that they've noticed that your hygiene in the last six months has drastically improved. That's the yeah. best feeling ever.
2: Yeah, no, that when and it is so amazing when we get that feedback, and it happens so consistently too. Um, But to your specific question around uh, the benefits of being directing tumor and how that has or has not been helpful, um, I'd say it's incredibly helpful, and we try to take advantage of it as much as possible. Um, And so that comes to life through a lot of different ways. Uh, So there is the proactive surveying on our end. Um, so that just gives us a really good picture uh, of how our customers are doing. Um, I'll, this is going to be a shout out for another company. We use a service called Delighted. Um, and it's great for measuring NPS, uh, but also it, it's just a great way of collecting feedback because they not only give you the one to 10, how they think about Gooby, but also uh, they're able to add feedback. And we see lots of great, feedback all the time. And that's where a lot of those comments of I went to the dentist and it was had such a great visit, but there are the occasional, uh, complaints, like nobody's perfect. And the benefit of that is as soon as we ever hear anyone has having, having some kind of issue, uh, even if there's no comment involved, like we'll do outreach to those customers and just try to get a better understanding of what's going on. Um, sometimes it could be as like, uh, as simple mm. as, uh, their address changed and they it was not updated in our system. And so they didn't receive their new brush head. And right. they're like, where's our right. brush head? And we, you know, it was a simple mistake that they never updated their uh, address. But nonetheless, they're upset. And us being proactive about receiving that feedback really helps um, bring that to light. So uh, just surveying all the time and through different ways is super helpful. Mm-hmm. And then we love Naturally. also... You know, we have people, reach, customers reaching out to us all the time. And sometimes it's for good. Sometimes it's like some kind of issue. And that's such a unique, it's such a unique, um, it's right. not, I guess, unique anymore, but historically uh, such a unique opportunity that you're speaking one-on-one with a customer. Like usually there's so many barriers in between, like someone bought your product through some retailer uh, and you, there's no customer service line for whatever thing you have, or it's uh uh some kind of customer service where it takes like two weeks to get a response back. Like we have people they'll they'll either give us a call directly or hop on our live chat and we're just having able to have these great relationships. And there's nothing better when someone comes in with some kind of issue and they yep. end up leaving writing a five star review because it's such a great experience dealing with oh my our team. the uh, best feeling. Yeah. Which so we have we a ton worked. of
1: yeah <laughs> we were uh, looking earlier. It seems like
2: everyone wants to give a five star review. Yeah, and, and that isn't to say, like, they may have started at a two-star or three-star because of some kind of mix-up, whether it's, like I mentioned, the address issue or maybe there's been an issue with the product. Uh, things happen, so we get it, but we do our best to really prioritize that customer experience. Um, but it actually answered your question, like, how we made changes uh, around customer feedback. So I'll give it a tangible example of that. Uh, so early on when we launched, um, we didn't have any... We really thought of this as like a a product for the home. It sits on your bathroom counter. But we realized people, like, they couldn't live without their Gobi, and we're taking it traveling all the time. Mm -hmm. So we kept getting this, like, constant feedback. Uh, We want to have some way to travel with the brush. So we passed it along to our our product team, and we were able to incorporate this really simple uh, travel brush head cover that makes it easy to take on any vacations or business trips that you have. Uh, so that was something we heard consistently from our customers. Is like we want to take this travel, and that wasn't we. I I I, I don't say this much, but it's like think of like home is where your goby lives. <laughs> uh, but the reality is, like, people take their goby everywhere. So uh, and we wanted to be as supportive as possible, so we came up with a a, a, a brush head cover that helped make it super easy for those for those customers uh, to travel with their goby.
0: That's great. I know that it, it, it is a little bit like vanity candy, though. It, it just looks really good when it's not in use. So that's huge. Um, but the the other really interesting thing about Gobi is that you have an option as a consumer. You can either opt to have a one-time only purchase. And I've got my toothbrush. And then it's going to be up to me now to have to remember, I suppose, to to purchase the additional heads. Or I can do a subscription. And then I don't have to add that to my extra list of worrying about things and they're just going to be automatically delivered. And it's a little bit of a, of a peace of mind, I suppose. Do you find Ben that you have um, any, do you have a a more of a loyalty for the subscription customers or do you, do you see a lot of one time or do you see a lot of one time and I just moved up to subscription?
2: Yeah. So that's um, an interesting question. So one of the things I mentioned in the very beginning is what sort of motivated me and got me thinking about the space was the poor customer experience that i was having yeah. um, and so one of the things we were trying to solve for with Gobi is really solving for the best customer experience possible um, and the reality is there are certainly a lot of customers that love the subscription uh, and it's super valuable It is that easy reminder to change out your brush heads uh, a fact that we love to share with people is the average consumer not the average Gobi customer but the average consumer changes out their brush head Every nine months, and you should be changing out your brush head at least every three. Yeah, months. that's appalling. Isn't and it? so, it is. And I, I've been guilty of this. Uh, I speak with Dennis all the time. They're like, "Yeah, we're guilty of this." Uh, it's not that you are adamantly against changing your brush heads, You either forget, or they're too expensive. That's fair. Or you're lazy, like uh, <laughs> you're just and lazy. the reality, is like this. The subscription just solves that. Um, and so, our customers that do subscribe, they really love that, and we get reviews about that too. So we we're, we're happy to help out there. But at the same time, there are certainly customers who don't want to buy the brush heads on a subscription. They would just prefer to buy a year's worth of brush heads. And who am I to say, no, you can only buy our brush heads uh, through our subscription service. And so we really, if that's what they want, I see no reason not to be able to offer it. Um, We're happy as long as you're happy. And so if you're on subscription, great. Uh, it's you know nice to say we have X number of subscribers, but at the same time, we have customers buying brush heads a la carte every single day, and yep. we are perfectly happy with that too. Um, so we we certainly want to uh, provide options and provide our, our customers with the tools to keep them on that the best routine that they can, uh, but at the same time, if you don't want to subscribe, I'm not going to try to force you to do something you don't want to do. I want to keep it as flexible as possible, and we just think we think about that across the board, whether from the subscription to yep. you know just trying to de-risk the uh, the buying process. We have a 60-day trial on the brush. We have a lifetime guarantee. It's really all at the end of the day the same mindset of like how do we deliver that great customer experience? And um, this is sort of going on a tangent, but you see ultimately this all trickles down uh, to those great reviews and those great customer advocates and. Ultimately, that is going to be the best kind of marketing you can Uh, you can receive is the the one where your patients are telling their friends or your your customers, our customers are telling their friends about Kobe. Um, So that's why we always think about customer experience as our our utmost priority. And that's a long-winded way of saying is our customers don't want to subscribe, we want to be as helpful to them as possible to give them that option.
0: I love that. Everything's customer-centric, and you can't lose when you adopt that philosophy. I agree.
1: Absolutely. So aside from customer experience, I think one of the things that a lot of consumers do value is uh, the brand values from who they're purchasing (laughs) from. So I noticed that uh, you have a program with New York University's Global Dentistry Outreach Program. So I wanted to hear some more about that.
2: Yeah. uh, Yeah. we, we spoke with them, I think, well before we ever launched. One of our, um, the way that came about was one of the, we were working with a dental hygienist early on, when we, before we launched Gobi, and they were one of our, our testers people we were doing research with. And they mentioned that uh, when they were in school, they, they were part of the NYU's Global Outreach Program. And they traveled the world, both domestically and internationally, providing oral care Um to people that either can't afford it or don't have access to it, um, and so we thought that was this really amazing program and wanted to be supportive. Had a chance to meet with the team over there. They're you know not they're up the street from us here in New York, um, and so sat down with them and they were just super help. They, it was just super inspiring hearing what they were what they were doing uh, around the world, um, and so wanted to be. We th- we saw that as an opportunity to really help achieve that further mission of making premium oral care accessible to as many people as possible um, so that's kind of how that that uh, the partnership came about and we still are very we stay in touch with them we're active with them and uh, always excited to see uh, what kind of new pro- programs and projects they're up to and how they uh, where their next trips are. So we haven't actually gone on any of those international trips yet, but uh, I think that's something we're aiming to do yeah. in the, uh, the next couple of quarters. It'd be amazing to be actually on the ground with them and helping out too. For sure. I love that greater
1: sense of purpose attached to the brand. It's a really cool story. Um, I feel like we've touched on a lot of the really great things about being a direct-to-consumer brand and uh, the deeper purpose of Gobi. So I also wanted to talk more about um, some of the challenges that you face just kind of getting this brand launched. And um, you you mentioned the duopoly, and it's a little bit of a niche market. So um, how have you overcome those challenges and kind of elaborate on what they are?
2: Yeah. um, So in terms of the challenges, I think one of them we kind of talked about a little bit already, which was... You know who is our customer, and we came up with a thesis and a positioning for that customer. But the reality is, uh, the people that were actually buying and why they were buying was different uh, once we actually started selling uh, and launched publicly. And so, really trying to understand that and adjust, you know, certain elements of the brand um, that was really interesting learning. And then, mm-hmm. you know, a constant challenge that I'm sure every direct-to-consumer brand has to deal or direct-to-consumer company, which is I think there's now becoming a, uh, I don't know, people are more has, less hesitant to be called direct to consumer because you can't think about it purely. It's hard to scale purely just selling online directly to consumer. You do right. need to find other ways of reaching your customers uh, because it does become a very crowded space. And uh, we pretty early on actually started working directly with dental professionals. Um, and that wasn't, again, part of our initial thesis, but we found that those make for really great partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are the you know people, customers look to their dentist for what they should be using. Um, so we, we worked with them uh, a couple months after we launched just based on inbound requests from dental professionals asking us to learn more about Gobi. Um, so that's cool. Yeah, so the, there was this initial challenge of like, how do you continue to try to scale this business? Um, and just solely being reliant on direct to consumer is, is very challenging. Uh, so having other ways of expanding your distribution strategy uh, is really beneficial. Um, and not to mention that the two channels are complementary. They're not they're they're not really necessarily completely disparate so for example when we're doing our consumer marketing and we get featured in some great media publication dentists are the real people too they read those same things and they see those same things so It drives interest on their behalf um, and then on the flip side those dental offices that we work with uh, some of them carry GoBe in their office other ones are just uh, recommending it and at this and that again is like those that are recommending it are driving those customers, to their patients, to become customers through our through our, uh, effectively our direct-to-consumer channel. But the reality is it's the two of them are very complementary with one another. Yeah.
1: yeah, that word of mouth is definitely powerful. And of course, everybody looks to their dentists and doctors for advice. So if it's something that those people really believe in, that's, that's great. Um, so another thing, aside from, you know, word of mouth and getting that um, That positive feedback from uh, Dennis, we saw some really impressive media mentions from uh, publications like Vogue, Cool Hunting, Business Insider, Bustle, and Forbes, uh, just to name a few. So some of those things were uh, finally the uncomplicated electric toothbrush we've been waiting for. I didn't think it was possible to get excited about a toothbrush until (laughs) I got a Gobi or Best Eye Online Toothbrush subscription. Um, So how have nods from these media outlets altered your business?
2: Yeah, that's it's a, we, we love to like, it's much better if you learn about Gobi, maybe better is not the right word. Instead of me telling you how great I am, <laughs> having a trusted resource telling you how great we are is always much more preferable, whether that be a media outlet or a friend or somebody else, because uh, they're just a, you, you have a re- more extended relationship, uh, whether it's an actual friend of yours or uh, you're a longtime reader of GQ, and you trust mm-hmm. uh, their recommendations. Um, so it's a really great way of just building that top of the funnel, which many times also results in bomb on the funnel conversions too. Uh, and so that external validation just makes it just de-risking this purchase for our customers, because the reality is you're not gonna, you know, you can't just. You know go into a store and brush with it real quick and say oh maybe this i like it maybe i don't but if you know that you know this is consistently ranked as the top electric toothbrush across a a number of different media outlets there's probably some uh they're probably onto something that this is actually a real product that delivers on the promise of providing that great oral care um And so it is, it's a long winded way of saying it's been incredibly helpful. Yeah, no,
0: totally. And I think I I would be remiss anyway, coming from an performance marketing um, provider to not bring or highlight that so much of of affiliate marketing is about relationships and it's about creating long-term relationships and stable relationships and every good relationship is built on trust. So if you don't have that, then you don't have very much, especially in, in this space where so much of that uh, sort of promotion or so much of that, just sort of those media mentions, they, they carry a lot of weight and, and you get to reach the audiences from, you know, whoever this media outlet is, but they're trusting in, in both parties, really. So mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of a pressure to deliver to make sure that the product is what it says it is and what everyone else is saying that it is. And then. There's the spoils of finding out that it is that great, and then that sort of continues. Um, have you found that using uh, affiliate marketing in your in your just your overall digital portfolio um, has enhanced the the outcomes, or has enhanced um, anything that that you set out to do for your goals for for your digital marketing?
2: Yeah, I think it's really all about having, uh, or, or said it another, it's. It's it's not it's all about not being solely reliant on a single channel. So as, as the more you can diversify your mix, uh, the more effective you find everything becomes. Mm-hmm. Being solely reliant on a single channel, just ultimately you're gonna you're gonna find that it's gonna tap out at some point or get more expensive and no longer be an efficient channel. But as long as you can have a nice mix of the channels that you're using to scale the business. Um, it's it's a great way to offset one another, making maybe an increased cost you see in one place that could be offset by lower costs somewhere else, uh, and so it's super helpful as being able to be able to have a more diversified uh, strategy when it comes to doing that customer or that customer outreach.
0: Yeah, sure. My grandmother used to say, "It's the don't put all of your eggs in the same proverbial basket," and I, I feel like that's. That's very true when it comes to to marketing. So it's good to have that diversification and, and not rely heavily on just one channel or or one tried and true technique. You really
2: have to balance it. Yeah, you don't want to. You may be able to get an easy win here and there, and you should absolutely take advantage of it. But also go in with full knowledge that there's probably it's going to, uh, it's going to stop at some point, and you're gonna have to find another uh, way of continuing to grow the business, so always trying to think ahead uh, and, and really building out that that more diversified marketing mix is always super helpful.
1: Yep. Yeah. So thinking ahead, let's go with that. Um, sounds like, you know, big things happening at Gobi. So what are your predictions for the future of Gobi?
2: So we, we don't, we never really launched the company with the goal of being an electric toothbrush company. Uh, we always had a you know, broader view of, being able to provide premium oral care at affordable prices. Yep. And it happens to be our first product was the Gobi Electric Toothbrush because that was where we saw the biggest opportunity to add the most value uh, as soon as possible. Um, but the reality is we have much broader ambitions when it comes to uh, what we're able to offer our customers, and we're constantly, you know, thinking about what what could what, what do our customers want um, and where could we add value? Not everything that they want is something we can necessarily add value, um, but there are many that we can. And that kind of goes back to my point earlier where uh, having those direct relationships with customers really opened that up to give you a better understanding of where you can add that value. And so we see consistent themes of what people are asking for. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether it's a you know an all black toothbrush or uh, you know, ancillary oral care products. Um, we're always listening very closely to what they have to say and evaluating do we think this is something we could add value for our customers. Um, and the answer is we see a ton of opportunity to continue to expand there. So uh, to your question, you know, the plan is certainly adding ancillary oral care products uh, where we think we could be of value to our customers, but also what kind of additional tools and services we can provide to those customers. Some are clear today and some of them are a little bit less clear and we're continuing to explore.
0: I love that. I love that you're taking the consumer with you. That's probably my favorite part about that answer.
1: Right. Well, we are looking forward to seeing what's next for you guys. Uh, So any of our listeners, where can they find you if they want to learn more?
2: Yeah. So you can go to our website, goby.co. Uh, or you go check out our Instagram. People love, I think that's the, one of the things that we didn't appreciate is how much, how important design and how much of a driver of purchase. And I think Instagram is such a great place to showcase uh, product design. Uh, and so you can check it out, check us out at Gobi on Instagram too. It's G-O-B-Y. There's sometimes confusion, Gobi the desert, which is G O B I. So the website is goby.co and our Instagram is just G-O-B-Y, really simple.
1: Great. Uh, Well, thanks for plugging that. Okay, so the last thing that we like to do on our podcast is just a lightning round of questions. We'll just speed through them and then um, give us the first answer that jumps to mind. Is that cool? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, here we go. What's the song that you can listen to on repeat?
2: Oh, I don't have a good answer for that. (laughs) I I have like podcasts nonstop playing. Uh, How about favorite song? Uh... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go to the podcast route. I love Kara Swisher. So, highly recommend any Kara Swisher.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. So, have you ever had a cavity?
2: Um, prior to Gobi. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer.
1: Uh, would you rather ask for forgiveness or permission? Permission. Okay. Uh, favorite cocktail?
2: Old-fashioned. Nice.
1: Ideal vacation spot?
2: I've really got into surfing recently. So I want to go on a surf camp, another Ooh. one, over the next couple of months, maybe somewhere in Central America.
1: That will Good be for fun. you. I'm with the Gobi travel brush head. Yeah. There
2: you go. <laughs> last two weeks on a single charge should be plenty of time. <laughs> Full circle. Like
1: and then last one, uh, what show are you wrapped up in right now?
2: Uh, you know, there's a show that just keeps on giving. You can go back, rewatch it over and over, uh, is The West Wing. So, oh yeah. nice. that's <laughs> a, a selfish question.
1: Watch- I just want to know what I should watch next.
2: <laughs> yeah, go back to the last one. It's it's as good as it was. I don't know, twenty years ago. Whatever. It like. <laughs> that's a great answer. Noted.
1: Well, the plans for this weekend are made.
2: <laughs> ben, thank you so
0: much for joining us today. We really appreciate it, and you're we learned so much about Gobi and. We learned so much about how the company was founded, um, different techniques and where you're headed in the future. So I just can't say thank you enough. And now the viewers know where to find you when they want to, and I hope you have a great day.
2: Yeah, you too. I appreciate you making the time to learn more about Gobi.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Ben. We just spoke with Gobi co-founder Ben Goldberg about the power of brand loyalty and reviews and the role affiliate marketing plays in Gobi's success. You can check out the full podcast plus many more by visiting us at pepperjam.com slash podcasts.